Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. On today's episode, I'm joined by a special guest, my brother, Andy Bernadovich. He lives in Grand Island, New York, which is just outside of Buffalo, and is the owner of ASI Signage, and it's a manufacturer of architectural sign and design in both Buffalo and Cleveland. Andy, welcome to the show. Johnny, thank you very much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the podcast today. So for those of you that can't see us, uh, we have different shirts on today because when we first both got on, uh, he and I were wearing the exact same shirt with different logos. So I, I just could, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for those of you that are watching. So um, we, we kind of eerily look similar and probably sound similar. So for those of you that know me, um, this is my, my closest brother in age and personality and looks, uh, Andy. So super excited to have you. So the reason why I asked Andy to join the show today is not only his experience in business and owning a company, but he is my inspiration for the word boss because of his affinity for uh, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, which is going to be a big part of the book. And I wanted to get his take on how his love for Bruce, Spring Bruce Springsteen became what it did and then influenced me as I was his kid brother following him around probably everywhere he didn't want me to be uh, mm -hmm. in his shadow. And uh, listening to uh, Glory Days and you know, Born in the USA and all those fun songs back in the day, which Bruce, Springste Bruce Springsteen is amazingly awesome at what he does. And that's the concept of what I'm trying to get along with the book. So tell me a little bit about how you came to like Bruce and his music. Well, it probably all started, Johnny, when I was in high school, uh, sophomore year, my friend uh, Foote and Jimmy DeKemper in all honesty, we used to go uh, to Foot's house. We would be drinking beers late at night, and we would be listening to uh, Springsteen on cassettes. And then we would be driving around in my old Chiraco with the windows down, just singing and you know blaring as loud as we can. And probably also because living in Cleveland, like if you didn't like rock and roll, you weren't really a true Clevelander. And spending a lot of time listening to WMMS back in the day, uh, Kid Leo and all those great people where they were playing lots of rock and roll, that's really where it started for me. And it kind of grew into a, an obsession probably six months later. At one point when I was a senior in high school, I had over 40 bootleg cassettes. You know, for those young kids out there, cassettes are those little things that you put into your cassette recorder, not uh, eight track but they're cassettes and I had all types of bootlegs and just loved to really just listen to his music. And, and more at that point, it was mostly about the beat and the turning it up really loud and just kind of singing. Um, and then as I kind of grew older, I started to kind of listen to the lyrics. Like in all honesty, I probably didn't listen to the lyrics when I was a kid because I really didn't understand myself and my feelings. I was just drinking beer and driving around in a Scirocco and singing as loud as I could. Um, but then as I got a little bit more introspective and looking at myself and actually listening to the lyrics that Bruce would put together, um, that's when I kind of went into a different phase, if you will, of my like and love of uh, Bruce Springsteen. 
How cool. How cool. What, what about him stood out? I mean, I know you said the beats and whatnot, and you as a kid probably had a lot of rock and roll listening on the WMMS and all the channels back in the day for Clevelanders. Was there, was there something about the, the tone of his voice? Uh, you said the beat, like it was, it, the way he looked, I don't know. He was just a cool dude. I thought the, the way, the way he portrayed himself, like what, what about him attracted to your ear or, or to the music or to him? Well, it was, it was probably his passion. Like he was passionate about everything that he did, like in, in his concerts and, and the things that he spent his time in, he put his full force there. And then he really connected with like the every man, you know what I mean? And I was just a kid struggling to date girls and get through high school and understand kind of all of those things. So his connection um, you know, his, his rhythm, his soul, like, and, and sometimes I didn't even understand the lyrics, you know, I mean, it's like I had marshmallows in my mouth, and he was singing those words, and I don't even know what those words were. Um, but it was really mostly, I would say the passion. And then, and then as I looked back, you know, as I spent some time kind of preparing for today, I went, I kind of went back in time through my life. And, and those memories just bring back so much love and happiness and joy to me when I hear certain songs and it's probably all the songs. Um, I literally went through all of his albums that I had from Asbury Park to uh, Just Past Tunnel of Alert to The Rising. And like, I like all the songs, like they're just so many and they mean so many different things to me. It's really more about the memories and his soulfulness that probably got me to that point. Yeah, it's interesting. Passion is one of the main principles. There's two in, in the book. You got to love what you do, which is an easier, kind of more politically correct way to say it in work is passion. But in the book, we talk about love. You got to love people. You got to love working with them. And then you got to own it. And I always I always thought that Bruce like owned who he was and, and, and still does to this day. I think I think he's an awesome, an awesome uh, musician and his evolution right through his Broadway show and now I, I just saw recently he had a, a, a documentary about the E Street Band on Apple TV so that was pretty cool. Yeah it's interesting to me John that like just as I started doing this you know I listened to a Conan O'Brien podcast with Bruce Springsteen and 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 learned some things there. Uh, last night just sitting around watched uh, Blinded by the Light the movie that they made that was inspired by Bruce Springsteen's songs and the lyrics you know so I'm falling last night as I'm the relationship between this young man his growth and his father um, so just connected in many many ways yeah well thanks for preparing so much for that and going I'm, I'm sure that probably was a, a nice trip down memory lane for you as far as getting back into listening to his music and his work so Taking you back a little bit, I, I think I remember this, but uh, your first Bruce Springsteen concert, and what was that like? Well, the, the first Bruce Springsteen concert, the, the best story that I have for the Bruce Springsteen concert, born in the USA, he was playing at Cleveland Stadium. I was working at Anthony's restaurant at the time as a busboy, so DeKemper and Foote said, come on, we're going to go, uh, what was it, the Rolling Acres Mall. They sold tickets, you know, so back in the day, for the big concerts, for the stadium concerts, you would go wait in line outside. So I left work early, 10 o'clock, went right there. We waited in line. 10 o'clock at night, sorry, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, right? 10 o'clock at night. Okay, just and clarifying we were, that. we were probably 150th in the line at that point. 
it rained all night. We didn't give a shit. We were drinking beer. We were having a good time, you know, just, just having a wonderful time. Then the morning comes and they start to sell tickets. And so you kind of inch your way every five minutes into the line. So we finally got up to the sliding glass doors and we're looking in and we're like super excited. We're tired. We're excited. We're like, oh my gosh, we're going to get tickets. Where are they going to be? You know, we're talking. And then I can still remember to this day, the guy behind the desk goes like this. Like, and I'm like, oh, darn, like it's over. He comes out and he says, all sold out. So we waited, we waited all night in the rain and came away empty, right? So we were all disappointed. So DeKemper had some contacts. I don't know, they were a little shady, whatever, however you want to say it. We went to, the, to a, a, a shady part of Cleveland and got tickets and bought, scalped them, right, early. And then went to the show. We actually ended up getting floor seats. So we were probably 20th row on the floor. And it was just an amazing, you know, as you're in your youth, it was just you, you anticipated going. When you got there, you were you, there was no disappointment in the concert, the energy that he brought. I had such a wonderful time at that show. Ended up riding a train from Cleveland Stadium to try to get to where we parked. So <laughs> had such a wonderful time there. And then the second time I saw him, it really from a perspective, um, at the time it was, it was probably 2003, four, um, and Bethany, my wife, bought me tickets. And I had kind of lost touch with Bruce for a couple of years, still liked him, but kind of lost touch. And she just knew how much I loved him. She's not the biggest fan, right? But I was like, oh, what a wonderful gift and what a thoughtful way for her to get me something. And I just remember holding her and dancing and kind of like enjoying that in, indoor show um, just as much as I did the outdoor show for different reasons in 2003 or four. Did she have to wait in line for a full day and get? get no. and then, <laughs> I think she just paid premium price or whatever, or just bought them. It was, yeah. No. Fascinating how that changed over that period of time. And she doesn't have a story, but you do, right? Back, it's it's totally different how that happened. God, I can't imagine how disappointed. And 150 people in front of you think maybe like you would get a chance, but they obviously were selling them in other places. Yeah, they were selling them in lots of other places. And it just, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, if we would have gotten tickets as the last people, we would have been sitting up in the nosebleeds and wouldn't have had the experience that we did um, by sitting on the floor, which was unbelievable. Luckily, your your friend Kemper had a, a legitimate scalper and didn't uh, you guys didn't end up going there yeah. and couldn't get in. Yeah, been... couldn't get in. Can you imagine, right? Right, the double dip of a disappointment for Bruce. How cool. No, I, I do remember you going to that. That was like a big deal. I, I have to do the math and figure out how old you were, how old I was, but uh, I, I do, I do remember that. Well, you do. What do you, what do you remember about that? Like, I just remember you going like, so is this like, it was like 1984. Is that about right? Uh, no, I would have said it would, I would have said it was, oh, you know, it was probably 84, 80. I'm sorry. Cause I graduated high school in 85. So it probably was 84, 85, somewhere in there. Cause I think that's when uh, born in the usa came out i think I that's think. right so 84 i'm 11 years old and i don't know i don't think anyone like you went to that concert by yourself you didn't go with mom and dad so like mm -hmm. any concert we went to before like i just found a picture of me at the first concert i went to it was huey lewis and the news nice and uh, i was in all those pictures that we had from from mom and dad i was there with our next door neighbor I was like i looked i'm like 
Well, this might have been the first date I went on because it was my next door neighbor, Lori Bai, if she's on here listening. Hi, Lori. But th there I was. I mean, I couldn't have looked more like a nerd. Like I was puny and, and I'm just sitting here. I had the Huey Lewis shirt on and there she was like dressed up. And I'm like, I was just there to, I thought his music was cool. And so when you went by yourself, like I'm 11, 10, I'm like, that's a big deal. Like, where's Andy going? He's going to a concert with 80,000 people. And probably because mom and dad made it a big deal. I don't know, maybe they did or didn't. I don't, I don't remember how they, what they did, but they trusted you um, <laughs> rightfully or wrongfully. <laughs> Where did you see Huey Lewis in the news? At the Coliseum. At the Coliseum. Oh, at the Coliseum. Okay. Yeah, of course, like dad always had connections. So we, we were sitting in a loge watching the Huey Lewis show. Oh, like, wow. Okay. That's, yeah. see, that's awesome. And see again, now the Coliseum's not even there. Anyway, oh, I know. Yeah. Things change. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, sad when you drive by it. All right, well, uh, switching gears a bit into, okay, so we went to the concert. We talked about how we got the tickets, why Bruce me means a lot to you now. As far as like his act, the actual songs, probably a loaded question to ask you your favorite. My guess is you might have a list of them. So tell me, tell me your favorite Bruce Springsteen song. Well, when I went back and I kind of just was re-listening, I, I went album by album and... Uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, the song Growing Up. Um, the lyric that really stands out to me is when they say, when they said sit down, I stood up. And I've always kind of been called a uh, contrarian, you know, someone who's a little bit different than everybody else. So that one always resonated with me. Um, then the Wild and the Innocent in the East Street Shuffle, um, a classic Rosalita. We're gonna play some pool, skip some school, act real cool, stay out all night. It's gonna feel all right. And I just remember when DeKemper and Foot and I were out, you know, drinking our cheap bush beer, um, just screaming that lyric at the top of our lungs because we thought we were just so cool and we just were like the greatest thing ever. Um, Born to Run, which is probably my favorite album is is a song called meeting across the river which is kind of an odd one and she'll see this time that i wasn't just talking um and when i listen to that song and the trumpet plays the what i re what really resonates with me is the trumpet is so soft and gentle and beautiful and most people probably don't think of that and i think of tony when i think of anybody who play our other brother tony who plays the trumpet so I think of that and then the lyric is, she'll see me this time, I wasn't just talking, is, is basically for me as I go back, it's not, because I've always been a good talker, right? A good talker. Um, but as I start to do things that are more action driven and it's not just what you say, it's what you do. Um, so that, that lyric has resonated with me, you know, later in life as I've kind of gone through. Darkness on the Edge of Town, Racing in the Streets is the song. With the eye on one who hates for just being born, there's a beautiful piano that plays in that song that I love. And it's the, it's the darkness of just like, you really don't like yourself or you just hate that you were even born. Um, it's just a deep, you know, I, I think as I got older, I liked his ballads better. Um, the River, which is another one that we used to listen to all the time, Drive All Night, and I get shivers down my spine, girl, and all I want to do is hold you tight. 
So that's where I start to feel his passion. And that might be my favorite song of all time because he just talks about what he would do for this woman that he loved and that he would really do anything. And it kind of, you know, he would, through the wind, through the rain, through the snow, he would just do anything for this passionate love that he had. Um, I had, it, it's funny when I, when I went to Nebraska, there's a song called Johnny 99. And so it just makes the connection because you're my brother, Johnny, and I've got a friend who we nicknamed 99. And there's a song for Pete's sake. Like, I don't know how all of that connects. Maybe subconsciously somewhere 10, 15 years ago when I nicknamed 9999 that I knew about that song. Um, but my favorite one there is the Highway Patrolman because it talks about brothers and how these brothers stick together. I catch him when he's straying like any brother would is the lyric that really kind of sticks to me. And I really, it's interesting too to me because Born to Run and The River was, they were very upbeat albums. Um, Nebraska was a very, hmm, you know, dark ballad, acoustical. And when I first heard it, I like, I remember taking the cassette out and throwing it in the back seat saying, this is a pile of crap. I'm not gonna listen to this anymore. And then as I got deeper into it, like I just love all the songs. And then there's another one in there that talks about a, a, a Bill Horton was a cautious man. And literally three weeks ago, Bill Horton, a friend of mine that I met in Miami, who's the CFO of Weber Grills, came to visit us to you know spend an afternoon with us. And, and, and how is that connection between Bruce and Bill Horton? Like how does ah, that blows my mind <laughs> ultimately. Um, and then Tunnel of Love was the next one. I always remember distinctly about Tunnel of Love um, going to Tony and Julie's house in DC and listening to that album all the way there with my friends who went with us. And uh, now the song that resonates the most with me is Two Faces and how I made her cry. And then it makes me feel like half of a man. So sometimes as I struggled with different parts of my life, you know, to make someone cry and then it just makes me feel like half of the man that I want to be. And, those, and that just really just kind of hits home with me as I think about that. Um, and then the interesting thing, The Rising, where Bethany, that's the, that's the concert he was touring for when Bethany got me the seats for us to go together. I didn't really own the album. So I bought the album. We had a couple of young kids at the time. And it, and it very distinctly, I remember um, sitting in the car with Elle at some point and I was singing and I kind of had this real connection to The Rising uh, Waiting on a Sunny Day, which is really kind of a upbeat, optimistic song. It's raining, but there ain't a cloud in the sky. Your smile, girl, brings the morning light to my eye. So to me, ultimately, when I go back and I listen, there's memories of Jim DeKemper, of a Scirocco, of Bethany, of my children, of my brother Tony, and, and his uh, his wife and how, you know, those, those are the things that come piling back to me when I think about those songs. So interesting how they, the song is a place in your life, point in time in your life, where you were, what you were going through and how it, it can take you back to that point. And especially 
I know as you grow older, you tend to pay attention to things like the lyrics as opposed to just the rhythm or, or how it sounds while you're drinking your beer, but it, it, it's, it's unique. And I, I really appreciate you, you going through all that to uh, specifically give some of the lyrics and what it meant to you personally. So what it, which song do you like? Like which one jumps out for you? When you I don't have I don't have as much depth. You're much. I, I think I, I understand. Podcast, yeah, yeah. You're 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 a deeper subject, deeper pool when it comes to uh, Bruce Springsteen. I would go with uh, three that stick out to me. Okay. I like Glory Days. Glory yep. Days is a, just a you know because I it's just a great song and I remember just dancing and some of the some of the lyrics in it I thought were really cool. Catchy. Yes. I also love Philadelphia from the the sound the soundcast. That's a deep. Wow. It's like deep deep right. song real good one but you mentioned another one in that uh, earlier when i when i do this presentation rosalita has to be on the playlist when we're you know, if i do a presentation on nature like a boss rosalita is definitely blaring through the uh, the sound waves so to speak and uh, just i just i just love the the upbeatness of it and and the, the concept and you know it's it's i i love a lot of his music i mean it's it's He's just a cool dude, I think. Just really right. cool. Right. Hmm. So, so the the name of the book I'm writing is HR Like a Boss. Why did that kind of resonate with me back a few years ago when I came up with the presentation that's leading into this book? I think Bruce Springsteen had a lot to do with it. I've done some research and I, I can't find why. Uh, I, I need to maybe look a little harder, but maybe you know, or maybe you have a personal reason as to why Bruce is called the boss. Um, my understanding is back in his early days of playing, um, they would go to shows and then like the, the owner of the bar or the place where they were playing would pay Bruce in cash and he was kind of the front man. So he would take that cash and then he would doll it out to all of his um, band members and they were kind of like, you know, he's from New Jersey. Hey, looks like the boss over there kind of doled out all the money. And so that's why they kind of doned him the boss. Perfect. No, that makes tons of sense. Yeah. It relates back to business and, you know, again, being from Jersey, although, uh, it, I, that's, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll, so we'll switch gears off of the, uh, the, uh, the boss like stuff for Bruce Springsteen. I'll get you out of here on a couple couple of business questions. So as, as an owner, uh, an owner of a small business, how would you define, how would you define the purpose of HR in your organization? Wow. Um, very interesting. So Bethany is the head of HR for our organization. And I would say um, that we've kind of developed over the years, partly because of your health and partly because just the growth of us as business owners. Uh, early on, you know, HR was the person who kind of just filled out all the paperwork, right? And so then you had to kind of, and I wasn't really good at filling out paperwork. So Bethany and I, in all honesty, would struggle in those times when she would be like, hey, I need this. And I'd be all kind of loosey-goosey like mom and, ah, you know, what does it matter? Here we go, <laughs> this and that. So she really kind of kept us in line. And then as we've grown over the last couple of years, we've really figured out that HR is really the connection point between what we're doing as a company and then what the individual um, employee or staff member is and how we make those connections and making sure that there's a fit and then there's good communication back and forth between each individual and the company itself. 
So, you know, they're the ones that kind of protect us from, they set policy, they protect us to make sure that we're kind of doing things fairly for, for the group, but then also, you know, handle any problems. And, you know, it's not just hiring and firing, even though they do all of that as well. Um, so we're really trying to, with Bethany's help, expand that to make it a little bit more of an outreach and more of a connection rather than just a formality, if you will. Yeah, that's in the Bernadovich uh, English Dictionary. The definition of HR, in my opinion, is connecting people with your business and vice versa. How do your people then connect with your business? So cool. Well, that last question, and, and this one may be unique because your beautiful wife and my sister-in-law is your HR lead at ASI. So how would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Um, I guess I would, I would say they would do it where they could connect, like you had just said before, they could connect the business, you know, I mean, being able to look at the business from a financial side, from a marketing sales side, from the business as a whole, like as a boss, like, like we're looking at it from in a lot of different pictures, but then also making that picture fit with the picture of the individual. Cool. No, I appreciate that. So Today was a very special show for me. If you couldn't tell, we covered some different topics. I think Andy earned the right to come back again at another show. We'll talk maybe more in depth about sign manufacturing or how to become a, an awesome senior senior amateur golfer. Oh, so yeah, that's for a, 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 later, a later podcast video chat. But uh, you mentioned a few things today, brother, that really meant a lot to me. So Bruce's passion for what he did, his ability to connect with the, the everyday common man, uh, the fact that you thought he was different and being different is a key principle within in the book. So HR can can step out from some of the perception, even you mentioned it about how HR has evolved at your company from filling out paperwork to now trying to find a connection point between your your organization, your leadership team, and then the, the team members and individuals that work at your awesome company. So Really appreciate you being on. Thank you for everyone checking out today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with a friend. And until next time, let's continue to aspire to doing amazingly awesome HR.